Welcome into an all new edition of the Tailgate Podcast. Recording old style, no video. Uh, just audio, bro. Just audio this week. Well, you don't have to see our ugly mugs. We're doing you yeah. all a favor. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Uh, uh, once again, unfortunately, another podcast None that of us was, never was. Shirts either. Podcast oh. that never was. Just kidding. Week. We are wearing shirts. Four. Yeah. What is this? Uh, but are we wearing pants? 4.5. Yeah, four. The five? episode that never oh, was. No. The reckoning. The episode that never will be. Yeah, the reckoning. I guess. We had a honestly like I, we talked about it before the show. It's last week was kind of a rough week for t- content. So last other week than yeah, it was kind of a blue sports week anyway. Period. Here's the yeah. Hall of Fame game. I mean, I guess yeah. you can say that. So you don't get to hear yeah a review of the Hall of Fame game, the Hall of Fame ceremonies, and throwing Joe Judge and the Giants on the grill. Hashtag uh, a great episode name: the Trials of Joe Judge. Yes. Gone. All and gone. gone. But this week, a lot more content. New York. The essential, the bottom line of that whole throw it on the grill segment was essentially that Joe Judge and the Giants are such a dumpster fire and a shit show that they watched. Hey, that's disrespectful of dumpster fires. You are, I am so sorry to all the fires and dumpsters out there. Oh, uh, but basically them watching what the Jets did last year under the amazing guidance of Adam Gase and be like, you know what? Hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> we can do better. <laughs> Joe Judge likes to be the ju- judge, jury, and executioner, and he, in spite of being the Giants coach, is a tiny little man. I feel like Giants fans probably feel very much like when Sam Weiss was asked this question when he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how do you feel about the execution of your team? Oh, I'm for it. Yeah. I feel like that's how <laughs> Giants fans yeah. would feel right now about Joe Judge and the Giants. Yeah. And the fact that it's rubbing off on, like, Jason Garrett and other people like the Red Clapper. God. Doosh. Hey man. Doosh. Job, guys. I know you missed that field goal. Good guy. Good it's job. It's up there guys. in New York. Good job. Bunch of fucking douche. <laughs> I think I went more Boston on that. Shout yeah, out to my boy Freddie, one of our uh, Taps regulars. He's a Giants fan, and he says that this year is completely ab- abysmal. But he's still going to go to the Chiefs game. Is what yeah, he's going to do. Danny Dimes doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, but getting into it, like I said, we have way more content because we got a full season of preseason. And a full whole, season of preseason. Full season of preseason. For the record, we've had two pin drops. It's not on camera, but we have had two pin drops so two far. Two pin drops. Oh, was it just one? That's one just pin drop. Oh. One pin drop. Oh no, I'm just getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Give us ten minutes. I'm just going to leave it for now. Oh, All right. Let's, uh, hey, but before we actually get into this, let's uh, crack open those shotgun and headlines. headlines. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm, NFL yes. preseason. Got a full week. The season Not a whole season. One would say. Shut up, Ty. <laughs> that, that was a lot of action. That was a season's worth of action. To fit it, in one we week. did get a season's worth of action. And in my opinion, the, the number one storyline out of any first week of preseason is how did the rookie quarterbacks look? Oh, yeah, man. Of course, that's the top storyline. That's all you really care about because yeah. you, like, you don't see a whole lot of the veterans. I mean, what, uh, before we get even, into that, even some second something that bugged me, when did Sam Darnold become a guy who's too good to play in a preseason game with the first-team offense? <laughs> You'd uh, think with a new team, like that should be vital. Like yeah. He needs to get those reps. Why is he not Dude, it's all getting, about Philip Walker. Phillip because PJ Walker. I love Philip Walker. Yeah. No, because that's 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 the rule rules. <laughs> that is the rule. <laughs> Fuck you, Duncan. Ah, <laughs> ah, anyway, side of the first one. Yeah. All, all right, that rule. just bugged me. But well, anyways. no, I already had like three <laughs> off camera. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. <laughs> getting into the rookie quarterbacks, uh, statistically, from what according to Duncan's favorite organization, Pro Football Focus, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Mac Jones was the top performer. Bullshit. Grade wise. 
mean, he had some good play. He had some good, good plays. plays. Honestly, he didn't look he didn't look bad. You can't say anything bad about his performance. Very true. He had, he should have had a touchdown on his first drive. Hit the guy right in the hands. Dropped on a deep pass. Uh, also, let's talk about the fact that Cam Newton, who's come out and said he's completely healthy and great, looked like garbage. Looked but he's just looked like great him. all camp. Right. I'm not buying too much into that yet. Yeah. And and something that I think should be said on Cam Newton is you wonder so often how veteran quarterbacks are going to do with a clear replacement for them taking sure. the first round. Right. There's been it's been everything that Mac Jones has said is that right. Cam was giving him advice. Cam Absolutely. was being as helpful as possible. They are close, and, and that's awesome. The battle in in actual practices is very close yeah i because being a boston celtics fan i do follow a lot of reporters that cover patriots camp right. and statistically they're neck and neck in camp and everybody gives the edge to cam so i guess we should so, put this caveat caveat out here yeah, first we're not going to overreact to anything do not overreact first. in preseason, preseason first game do not, not overreact in anything no. don't overreact to the rookies who at times all of them looked good as far as the quarterbacks, Josh all Williams. five at different times flashed abilities that we had covered in the draft process. Trey Lance and his big arm and uh, his potential as a player, but he also had times where he looked bad in that game. Um, and then Justin Chris Field. Jones said, welcome to the NFL. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, and then he went Justin and did some Fields. yoga on the sidelines. Yeah. Justin, Adams. <laughs> Justin Fields' first Justin drive. Justin Fields looked good. First uh, drive looked kind of poor but then came out in the second half well, and, and it was like let's do this just putting their ball in the right and spot I, and it was like i looked at i saw both of the touchdown passes for them uh, watch actually watching live those games justin fields was very impressive because yes his tight end got open mm. but his tight end also got open because they bit so hard on the play fake that That's he very did true. Yep. he sold it exceptionally well that was a play that you can actually can like attribute to the play of justin fields 100 and then trey lance's touchdown i'm not saying it wasn't impressive Mm-hmm. But it was that was also he was the benefactor of a undrafted rookie free agent safety who just saw saw the receiver running towards him. Apparently didn't realize that oh shit I'm supposed to be the safety help back right. here I'm supposed to be the deep help and got turned around and realized oh there's nobody else behind me except for that receiver now. Never let anyone behind you. The <laughs> the thing with but the Lance Lance put the money on the ball or put the put ball, ball on the money. On the money. <laughs> put yeah. the money on the ball. We're all over the place with these. Uh, <laughs> the season for preseason, money <laughs> the on the season ball. of preseason. Um, <clears throat> what I look for, though, like actually how are they? <laughs> how are they also performing in the practices? And yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago, Shanahan said he didn't anticipate Lance getting many reps with the first team offense. A few days later, Lance forced his way into that mm-hmm. into that fold, and he's mentioned. performing well. Like, what do you benefit if you're? Uh, the 49ers or you're the Bears in sitting these guys who have clearly flashed in practices and now in preseason games that they belong on the field. This just opens that Jimmy Garoppolo trade that we talked about in another episode where, you know, he might not end up in certain situations that we want him to end up, but he'll probably end up somewhere. And, yeah, you know, I like mean, you got to make move for him. The one guarantee in this league is the, the value of quarterbacks carrying over someone else thinking – oh, well, I saw him go to a Super Bowl there, or I saw him go to the playoffs there. They got a bad situ- worse situation than us. We'll, we'll try to make it a reclamation project. Like, he'll wind up somewhere with a chance to compete. There's always quarterbacks underperforming somewhere where a team is going to want to upgrade or pseudo-upgrade. And I'm not saying – we're not even saying that it will happen right away. It could be a couple weeks of the 49ers going with 
Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo. But if he struggles, like he did, even did their Super Bowl year, the first few weeks <laughs> of the season, that or their the year they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, not implying that they won it. They lost to the Chiefs. Is that what happened? That is what happened. <laughs> but he struggled throughout preseason and the first couple of games yeah. of the regular season. I don't think he has that kind of leash this year. If he struggles the first few weeks, he's getting pulled. You don't yeah. draft a quarterback in the first round to sit behind when you have the type of talent that the 49ers have. Right. Yep. Um, and the same thing for Chicago. Like, yeah, Andy Dalton has been told he's QB1 and all this stuff throughout the process. But Justin Fields is a talented dude. He's getting reps, and he's, making, he's flashed and, so and, much and potential. If you're naggy, you're losing you, – you fuck up this season – you're losing your job. But that yeah. is – I think that that is one thing that should be said is there is a difference between Kyle Shanahan and Matt Nagy. Oh, yeah. Sure. Shanahan traditionally has been that coach that he ma- he seems to make those right decisions. Sure. Whereas you saw Nagy waffling back and forth between Trubisky and Foles last year. And, mm-hmm. and you saw, like, it's him committing to Andy Dalton being the starter when there is legit argument to be said that Justin Fields was the second most talented, maybe even the most talented quarterback yeah. in this draft. I mean, once upon a time, he was right Raw there with abilities. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, so, I don't think that's how it sounded I wrong. mean, that's right. – if he's smart, if Matt Nagy makes the right decision, yes, he will go to Justin Fields much earlier. Hope so. But have we seen Matt Nagy consistently make yeah. those right decisions? No. And, I mean, one of the quarterbacks we haven't mentioned currently um, – Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Didn't have the right. stat line. But in the same fact, like, had some really nice touch on the ball. And he has the, and he has the confidence of his coach. Right. And, I mean, Selah, he's not going to do anything. Like, he likes to run that Sanahan mm-hmm. system, so he's going to try to pound the ball. He's not going to make him make too many decisions this, this rookie year. And we could be looking at not a big healthy, like, stat-wise, but we're, we could be looking at a competent quarterback that can control the game flow that has really nice touch on the ball. Right. And he didn't have Elijah Moore, who is one of it's his a, favorite targets in the camp. It's a much different situation. And could be shiny. Than anyone other than Trevor Lawrence, basically. Yeah. Uh, those are the only two that are dealing with brand-new head coaches mm-hmm. in their situations, too, where they're trying to instill a new culture, mm-hmm. a new offense, everything. Like Out of those two, w- even though they were the number one and two picks in that draft, like I'm not necessarily looking for them to dominate year one. They're not in the right. position with the right talent around them necessarily yet, but I want to see them make strides. And yeah. I want to see those coaches yeah. – like it's a big telling year like we we un- actually touched on Robert Sable on last week's show and how impressed I've been with just how he's handled the media and how he said he handles uh just the similar uh, in a similar situation to what the Giants were dealing with and everyone thinks yeah they handled yeah the complete wrong way he basically said we're all about accountability and establishing our cu- culture here yeah. And, and things, I'm rooting for the guy, but you just don't right. know. And things we talked about was we wanted to see the Jets turn the corner Absolutely. on the offensive line. For sure. First. And, I mean, it's just preseason one. Do not overreact. But offensive line, the starting offensive line looked decent. You know, and, the, and a lot of the connections. I've heard the about a lot of struggles from Becton and Camp. Right. But he's gotten dominated okay. a lot of days. Yeah. But there, um, that, is, that does also play into it's very much what Jeff Schwartz has come out and mm-hmm. said because Orlando Brown Jr. has had a lot of struggles. Sure in training camp as well, and especially in the one-on-one drills. And that's where Becton's had a lot of struggles in the mm-hmm. one-on-one drills. Yeah. And that's where Jeff Schwartz, you know, he one of the smartest offensive linemen ever played the game and a guy who has a, has a great reputation after the game for a lot of his analysis, particularly yeah. on offensive line play. And him coming out and saying, and he went on, it was like several, tech, uh, several tweets uh, about coming out and people who are critical of offensive line play, particularly in training camp. He's like, you don't know what those guys are working on any Absolutely. particular day. 
Yeah. And, you know, it could be their mm-hmm. footwork on this given day. It could be trying to lean more into this side Absolutely. or lean more on that right. side. Like, we don't know. So, yeah, maybe they're getting beat day to day. And people are like, oh, man, this is a this is a cause for concern. And then we see them come out on week one and perfect. Just, well, n- just absolutely. I mean, people were overly critical. Sewell. Sewell. Yes, that's a, got, exactly where I was going with it. Beat up by Rousseau. And we're not saying that Rousseau wasn't a talent. No. Because we Rousseau, I mean, there's a reason why he was considered a top ten pick right. before workouts, yes. basically. And yes, like, Rousseau made him look like ridiculous. He's also playing a different side of 100%. the offense. Like, it, the transition from the, the left side to the right side, like, people don't think that that should be a big deal for an offensive lineman. You're you're blocking a completely different side, and it's it's you're hard if your it's, steps. yeah your your steps are completely different. So, Schwartz was actually the one who I saw touch on that. They're like he's like, well, he honestly was critical of the Lions. He's yeah. like, this guy has been considered one of the best left tackle prospects. I do have a point about that <clears throat> for the last couple of years, like for his class and you're going to move him to another side that he's never worked with. Like he's never done that side. There's going to be some growing pains and uh similar prospect and age and everything. Tyron Smith had to deal with that his first year in Dallas. He played the right side while Doug free played the left and it was a disaster. And they immediately middle of the season or not immediately, but middle of the season realized like this isn't working. Let's move him to the left. And he, Played fantastically yeah. the rest of the season. Like so it's Chiefs huge. Did, Chiefs yeah. did the same thing when thirteen when they drafted Eric Fisher. We right. already had Brandon Albert in place for one more year. We started Fisher out on the right side, and I, in hindsight, I wonder if Fisher struggled earlier in his career, and mm-hmm. I wonder if that's something if we would have put sure. him at left tackle from day one. You spent the first overall pick on him for God's yep. sake. I mean, that's what and I yes, worry about. That I think was teams overthink that a little bit, but, and that's why. Yeah. In Sorry, Taylor Decker is not like this decorated right. offensive lineman that deserves. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. Ah, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's not like he deserves left tackle. Like, he, like you know, we have to play him at left tackle. Like, my, play the better prospect there. Like, I don't right. want to be all conspiracy theory sure. on this. Uh, but obviously, <laughs> these are my boys, right? Mm-hmm. This is my team. Yeah. Players don't tank. Coaches don't tank. Head offices take, and especially if they're feeding into a lot of the system of what I've been hearing, uh, which is they want to start Panay Sewell on the right tackle, and it's coming up from above, not necessarily Campbell's work. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you want to put yourself in a negative situation so you lose games because you're not necessarily gelling with what you need to, so you can be higher for a draft next year, and it's that like can I said, hinder someone's. Development, development so player, much and that I'm worried about just, it. Yeah, I don't want to fuck this kid up. I love this kid. I was so excited draft day. I think he'll adjust regardless. Like yeah. it's just gonna be more of a process than what so it should be. You're just creating like, problems for yourself right. for no reason. I was yeah. all for letting. It, it'll walk. make him a more complete offensive lineman. You could like because there's an argument at a muscle memory type of thing. Like he's played left tackle, so like. I mean, Eric Fisher doesn't really necessarily yeah. get beat on the inside a lot because there probably is a little bit more muscle memory. Sure, and I, th- I do opposite. think that a little bit of time on even the little amount that it was did help Tyron Smith too. Yeah. Like, you do want that versatility, but I just think, like, with how major of a prospect it is, you're like, you're just that, overthinking you. it. Right. And you're just agreed. overthinking agreed. it. And, and to, the, to the point of our two examples with our respective teams, Tyron Smith, yeah. he was not this, like, Best tackle prospect in five years. He was the Eric second Fisher best tackle on his team at the time. Eric Fisher was behind Joel. 
Panay Sewell is considered the best tackle prospect we've seen in a half. Right, and we're fucking and it that's, up. That's my point. Is like <laughs> like Smith and Fisher were both developmental tackles. Right. Yeah. Panay Sewell is ready to be a, an all pro. Maybe not all pro from year one, but at least a a very good left It'll tackle should from be day first one. team all rookie is rookie year. Yeah. Like he should be. He should be at least as good as the the rookie offensive tackles were from last year. Agree. And I what agree. we had two two really great ones in Werfs and. Uh, Becton and Jedrick Wills. Wills, yes. Point in case it comes down to Lions are going to line, and I hate it. Hate being. You ain't lying. Yeah. <laughs> but, he even, is, yeah. but he is lying. <laughs> I hope you're lying. Yeah. He's lying. I really do. He's lying I, I, I through and through. For, uh, for the ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Some say yeah. too much. Getting all the way back to the quarterbacks. I uh, sorry, we're we're rookie <laughs> developmental nerds, so. Yeah. We get off on tangents about that, but I mean, we could go for days on yeah. the other rookies that played. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I the whole point is like we're not going to overreact to anything, especially in the first week of preseason. Uh, but just want to touch on that the rookie quarterbacks, especially, looked good uh, at looked good at times. Obviously, everyone has things that they They're can work on. Trevor, yeah, Trevor Lawrence had amazing throws, and then he had points where you're like, man. It sucks that they don't have an offensive line around him yet. You're not the um, Saints. You're not the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two um, non-rookie quarterbacks that both look middling and both throw interceptions and both just, meh. Yeah. This entire week, this camp week, everything. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that's going to be something to watch for sure is the whole stand. Kamara. Twelve yeah. guys in the box and shut him down. That's what they're going to do. Sean Payton's going to age a lot this season. Yeah. So is Alvin Kamara. Yeah, there's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty telling on like, I guess not I, not overall because like he's he is who he is. He's won the one Super Bowl. He had a Hall of Fame quarterback with him, but you know how people like to overreact to like, oh, let's see what kind of success they have once that quarterback's gone. And is he really? Can he really fix the issues that Jameis Winston had? Can he make? Uh, I mean, it was only one interception from Winston sure. on Saturday. So, but yeah, the quarterback storylines are one to follow. Cause, like it's going to be, there's a, there's a lot of them throughout the league. This, this has been a crazy quarterback year. We talked about Bridgewater lock, you know, yep. in Denver lock looks like he's locked into that position and you know, and Bridgewater is going to come off the bench. Uh, yeah. Bridge and water, two yeah. things that yes. Teddy couldn't hit if he was sitting in a boat. <laughs> Woo. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just still Bridgewater and Locke. I mean, that's, that's an English law firm opinion. Yes, so. it is. Uh, Shout out Harry. That's probably probably the name. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere there's there's a fish and chips named Bridgewater and Locke or something. It's still not as fun as Ben Jarvis Greenellis. No, it's the not. Law firm. It's not. Yeah, the entirety of the law entire firm. law firm in one person's name. Or um, Justin Forsett. He don't he don't make the law. He just enforce that. Tangents, man. Off the fucking rails. Yeah. Um, any other rookies besides quarterbacks that you guys liked watching, or any other players that stood out to you? Nothing that like stood out. No, crazy. it was it was just fun to have preseason football yeah, back. It was. I mean, that's when you think about it. Yeah, we had the Hall of Fame game, but nah. in all in all reality, this was the first preseason football we got to watch in two years. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and people can complain all they want about preseason football, and that's something I work in both at the bar and, and in the store. Like so many people talking about the Chiefs, and they're like. So many people just hey, it's just a preseason game. Like I don't care. 
Right. It's them out There's there. There's still going to be the things to analyze. live action right. that I've seen since that awful night on February 7th. Like, it's, it was live game action, and it was fun. And here's the thing is, like, beyond just rookie quarterbacks and rookies and stuff – there's just all the, the, the battles, like the right. training camp battles mm-hmm. for positions. Right. And you saw, like, a, just a lot of guys out there, just they're busting their ass, man, mm-hmm. trying to trying to get that roster spot, trying to be one of the, I think it's 54 now, but um, or whatever the roster I number is. I rekindled. Yeah, but there's also, like, the, the they expanded squad or whatever it is. They, like, they expanded the practice squad, basically. Okay, okay. Yeah. So they have to be down to 85 so, today, I know that much. Yeah, yeah, I know some guys got cut. Tebow. Um, Tebow. Tebow's gone. There Tebow goes Tim Tebow. Um, Watch him as he goes. Throws. But it was oh, he's gone now. Throws. He got, he got cut. Like, yeah, but, but now I, he can throw again. But what I will <laughs> say is he can go back to the Mets. Um, <laughs> amazing. And Yeah, amazing. Uh, but like one of, the, one of the things, like I just love seeing these battles, and one that I've been looking at, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans have too, is backup running back. Who's going – or not backup, I'm sorry, third string running back. And that shouldn't be an exciting thing for a lot of teams. But when you're the Chiefs, you, we've had to find ourselves utilizing that third-string running back right. uh, over the last few years. Who's going to be? And Darwin? that's where it was Jarek McKinnon, you know, the free agent signing, who not that long ago got a big-money contract from the Niners yeah. versus Darwin Thompson. And we saw that play out. Yeah, it was only, a, I think, three carries for McKinnon. But McKinnon on a, on a punt was right there, got the guy right where he caught it, inside the 10-yard line, wrapped the ankle, got the tackle. What did Darwin Thompson do? Darwin Thompson, after a run, got into used his helmet to get into another player's face and bump his helmet up into his face mask, getting a personal foul. That's great thing you're gonna do if you're a third year guy trying to make the make the team as the third string running back. Just yeah. I can't even tell you how much that impresses the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just so stupid. Yeah. I mean, I did definitely rekindle a little bit of love for uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, yesterday. Um, obviously, no DJ Moore in the game, no uh, Rodney Anderson or Robbie Anderson. Um, but in the same fact, like this guy wants to prove himself as the number two or number three, and then eventually work himself up to number two. And the moves that he made, and some of the catches he did, and, and just how his body movements and his route running, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Under, and, uh, underrated one that I like, sticking with the receiver that I saw. Like you guys have something in St. Brown. Oh, uh, Amon Ra. Amon Ra is going to be a beast for you oh, guys. Gosh. Holy crap. Yeah. Love that kid. Uh, another it? unique thing that I saw that I've never you seen guys know before. His name? No. Equinemius. No, his other brother. Oh, yeah. They're all named after pharaohs. We know this. That's yeah. Yeah. well well documented. Yeah. Osiris. The, the, yeah. Osiris. Um, but have you ever got, you guys ever seen a defensive lineman be a gunner on special teams? Because that's a thing right now. Nice. Oh. Owe. Jason Owe. Yeah, he is a gunner on special I mean, teams right now. It's weird to watch. Like you see him like trying to be blocked by two like tiny little guys and they can't do anything. And he actually made on his very first one he made the tackle. Go figure John Harbaugh, one of the best special teams coaches this league has ever seen. Yeah. I mean that's how he like, beat oh, got you got his speed? opportunity as head coach. You, we're not having you rush I'll admit, the I wouldn't be doing that with a first round pick, but I mean it's just for now. It probably yeah, he's just he's all right, we're gonna put you in this situation and see how you do. And the kid ha- obviously there's has that some four three six yeah. speed. Yeah. 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 So um, I mean, obviously not being trying to be biased and all that stuff. So uh, I guess we can start with Aaron and then go dunk from there. Like, what did you take away from your team's preseason game that you liked? I mean, I can talk I about. Appreciate this because I was actually about to ask you the same question. Well, uh, def- the, our defensive line played incredibly mm. in this last game. They were all over the the Cardinals. 
quarterbacks. Like there was someone in the backfield all the time, and that's and it was mostly second, third team guys. So that that was encouraging for me. Yeah, it was the play of both lines for Kansas City. I mean, we had five sacks, and it's it's Pre- not like protected backup tree well. I was gonna say this was what really stood out to me, and it was particularly on defense, was. Our starters were better than their starters. Our backups were better than their backups. Our third stringers were better than their third stringers. Like, it was just – it just goes to show me that the Chiefs have accumulated so much depth. Like, that we're, gonna, we're going to be cutting a lot of dudes who will end up on other rosters, if not right. starting on other rosters. Like, mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just the talent and, uh, like, when it comes to the depth. It's the hunger. It's a team that is pissed off. They're embarrassed about what happened. They've got a massive chip on their shoulder. And they want to go out and show it. And a lot of it has fed into these new guys, these rookies mm-hmm. or, or, or new signings who are feeling it from the veterans that have been here the last couple of years that have seen the championship, lost the championship, yeah. and now are just have just an insane amount of desire to go out and do it again. Like, I'm, I can't wait for this yeah. season to start because this is a team that's going to – it's motivated, man. And they're, they're primed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, obviously, I, I took away a lot from the defensive line play. Um, I love Julian Okora. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Like him coming off the edge, like he looked better. Like, yeah. and then obviously I know he was going against another rookie and all that stuff. Uh, I can't remember who he was going against. I want to say Stevenson, but I'm not sure. Um, but he was great at manipulating the body around him. Um, I totally want to get rid of Tavai. I think Tavai's gone um, as far as uh, Lions go. But then from there, I mean, it's just we drafted a lot of defensive linemen mm-hmm. and a lot of D tackles, and I. I mean, Onwuzurike is Onwuzurike, and I know they invest a lot in him. But, man, seeing that Liam McNeil pick and seeing all that stuff, like I was yep. really excited about. And the way that he turned that out, I'm really excited about our defensive starters. I mean, Barnes, who hasn't had a lot of practice work because he was injured, like, yes, he looked out of position mm-hmm. at different times because he's a rookie, but also he dude was flying all over the field. Yeah. Like, it just got like, like, okay, cool. Maybe not this year, but like next couple of years, like I'm really excited to see some of these names, man. Yeah. And I think, I think Barnes is going to be a tackle machine. Like I'm all in for some of the leagues I have with IDPs, like mm-hmm. just last pick, no one's going to ever pick him, but mm-hmm. he's going to get a lot of playing time and just see what happens. So yeah. that's my takeaway from the Lions. <coughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, and Amon Ra, obviously. And I'm just so excited. Yeah. yeah. I forgot to mention the linebackers too. The, oh, yeah. the yeah. young linebackers for Dallas, like Parsons, man. Parsons looked in, uh, Jabril Cox this last game just didn't miss any tackles. Yeah, yeah. Was always in the right position. Which, that's a guy we were all high on. We yeah. liked Jabril Cox. It's, and that was mo- mainly on value, guy, but he was also good. a guy that like, like okay, they'll kind of use him as like a fringe player where they play kind of all over. But like the guy, the guy's a linebacker. He he can mm-hmm. be an NFL linebacker year one. And yeah, Parsons. Uh, you haven't. I know you haven't seen. So well. uh, you haven't seen the Hard Knocks up episode, oh, yeah. but especially like. So in that in the it covers the Hall of Fame game obviously because it was last week but uh, he has a point where he only played the first drive on defense. Got mad. Uh, yeah, he makes a few stops and then he makes the drive stalling uh, fumble. fumble recovery, and he comes out and he talks to Quinn on the phone. Quinn tells him he's like, "You're done for the night. Like we're you had a great night. You knew we're everywhere you need to be, but you're done." He was just like he was pissed. He was like. It's not enough snaps, coach. And he's like, dude, we have four preseason games. Like, you're, we'll be all right. And it was pretty cool to see, like, Leighton Van Der Esch was like, oh, they shut you down? Because <laughs> he dealt with that a couple years ago. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't think it's enough reps, but, like, they they know it's best for you. Yeah. But, like, his drive as a player, like, I was – I know we, we weren't high on him because of things that in college and the process, but he is a driven player. And 
I think he will be successful on the field. You just got to hope he just stays out of trouble with absolutely. the other things. But yeah. yeah. Talking I mean, about driven players. But we've seen, and I was going to say, who were you going to say? Dak. Dak. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, who were you going to say? No, I was going to I was gonna actually just bring up real quick, because both of these mm-hmm. tie into things we were going to talk about. But hey. driven player who had some, some issues in college was Teron Matthews. Exactly. And, yeah. And because that was one of my favorite, one of my favorite images or videos from training camp this year has been one where he got beat one-on-one in a drill by, I think it was, uh, I think it was Byron Pringle. And you see Matthew just kicking at the dirt after yeah. he got beat. And it's like, this guy's in his, like, Wants eighth, ninth training camp. And he's, yeah, he's, he's wanting the contract. Matthew. That had nothing to do with any of that. That's just a dude who is still hungry to go out there and play great. And that's, that's right. where, you know, maybe Parsons can turn out to be that, hey, I yeah. had my troubles well, in college, but. It's worth noting, guy. No, nothing. Parsons has not had any issues in his 20s. Like, he, yeah. his yeah. one issue happened when he was 19 years yeah. old. And he kept his nose clean the rest of the way. And, yeah, like, no matter – like, the allegations of what happened, no matter what, they're troubling. Absolutely. But they're troubling for the culture of a program that allowed that to happen, too. Like, I'm always going to give a player another chance, and especially with how he's played, like, and keeping his nose out of trouble since then. Obviously going to give the kid a chance. Yeah. But, yeah, like, you always have to worry, like – I mean, we Where's the maturity level at? Right. We Is mention it? players like this all the time. Though. Absolutely. I mean, Tyreek Hill had sure. his issues coming out. And sure. now we only speak glowingly of Ty- Tyreek Hill. Absolutely. Because he's also a model citizen now, too. Going right. Out, and let's talk about the, the issues like that happened, what was it, two years ago? football with kids and stuff like yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. We talk about, what, two, three years ago when it was like, oh, he's going to miss the season because of those reports. And everyone's like, oh, nothing man. Happened. Yeah. And nothing happened because of it because there was like it was one of those things where it was shown that, like, no, sure. this is – is bullshit yeah. and like you said playing like out there like on his free time with kids playing touch football or flag right. football middle and fingers like to you brooke Pryor. middle fingers to you yeah but yeah Bitch. yeah but <laughs> whew, whew. she tried to ruin his life right but like, just to advance her career yeah you literally watch this guy go out there and try to inspire the youth and do a good job of it he, and he's literally yeah. come out and said i want to pass it on to the next generation yeah like yeah. that's yeah Yes, yeah. made mistakes, absolutely, but mm-hmm. that yeah, exactly that does not mean it. So, yeah. I for one will say I've you know perhaps I've been too harsh on on Micah Parsons in uh, leading up to the draft process. So we'll, we'll hey, see how I'm, it plays I'm out. I'm right there. You, I mean, We're all there. My reaction to the pick is documented. It's it's this is on true. camera that I was upset about that pick, and I've been proven wrong about it so far. Like he is a very driven, good, and it, like he's a great player. And when like, it comes really to is. just just when it comes to skill sets and stuff. Sure. All of us have talked about, and I, I, for one, I don't think I can talk enough how much I love the pairing of him and Jarrell Cox. Like, two oh, contrasting yeah. styles of linebackers, but can just Van match Resch, dude, those so three well together. Because Van Der Esch has played great throughout yeah. preseason. If he can stay healthy, like, Jalen Smith's gone. If you're the fourth linebacker and you're that expensive, you're no, there's gone. No, there's no camera, but I'm <laughs> yeah, he's. I'm right sorry, now. like, I've seen enough. Jalen Smith needs to be traded or cut. There's, it's just not worth the money you're gonna like right. you're that's paying him. On the Chiefs, Keanu Neal is better than yeah. And that's not saying anything bad about Keanu Neal. It's, he know. looks like he is a linebacker now. Yeah, like he was a safety. He's a linebacker. Yeah, but I mean, it's too much to pay. I see it with the Chiefs. Is where that's where I see Anthony Hitchens is not much longer for the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably right. this season. Yes, I heard. Th- but right. I would absolutely love moving forward if it is a trio of uh, Nick Gay. Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., and and Ben Neiman. 
I can see that. In that de- on that defense. I would love that because we're, we're super Neiman high Nick Bolton this year. Neiman would be able to excel and rely be. on his instincts. Right. He's a fantastic player. Yeah. With the athleticism and I mean, range of those other two and the speed, Neiman would be able to thrive in mm-hmm. what he does best. Yeah. And that's just be an instinctual thumper. Right. Yeah, and I, I even – I didn't key in on him. I haven't watched much – like didn't see like how he played. But even a lot of people were – speaking glowingly of how Hitchens was playing in that yes. game. Like, he, he did play very well. It seems like he's taken it to heart that they've taken linebackers in back-to-back second rounds. Right. right. He knows that he to has to game. show out. But I don't think it will matter for some of these players. Like, you took those players, and if those players are flashing. It's about. Yeah, it's about the money. If you can save money by exactly. – if you have a player showing out Hitch. and there's another player who's more expensive, sorry. I would Who's going to go? Let's also talk about the preseason showcase. Is sometimes putting a player out there a lot to showcase him sure. to get a trade for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I still think it's the unfortunate part. is tight end in Philly, but also in the same fact, they played a lot of Zach Ertz to show that Zach Ertz still has it mm-hmm. because sure. what do they want? They want to trade for Zach Ertz. They've, they've made it very clear that since last season, the Eagles, uh, that they – don't necessarily want Ertz on their roster. Right. And he the was Chiefs supposed to be gone. Try to get a trade yeah, for Hitchens. It doesn't matter. We just saw Joe Schobert no, go for a six-round pick right. to Pittsburgh right. where he's going to back up Devin Bush, and he's going to be a decent I think, backup for I him. even think with the Cowboys, they would eat some of Jalen Smith's contract. They would have to, yeah. but like they will eat a good portion of that just to have it gone because after next year, that money is off the books, and they'd Bye. be fine. Yeah, yeah. so – yeah, that's that's a storyline, and especially with how much the trade market has opened up the last few years after preseason with the NFL. There's that's those are things to watch. The Chiefs will probably be in the trade market trying to get rid of one of their linebackers, and it mm-hmm. will most likely be Hitchens. Yeah, because uh, Damian Wilson isn't there anymore, is he? No, no. and I, I still don't. I still don't think they're going to trade him this year. I think they just cut him next season. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, if yeah. they still good. Willie Gay, Willie Gay Jr. One, still didn't one injury play. somewhere. Yeah. yeah, Willie Gay Jr. still didn't play because he was still in concussion protocol. Uh, but, I mean, that's if he shows out in the next two preseason games, I mean, who knows what to expect. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and we, I um, mean, we're, all, we're also really high on Willie Gay, so that's yeah. – I'm <laughs> yeah. extremely high. He's been looking great in camp. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to uh, a couple deals that got done in the last week that impact a uh, – uh, hometown player here in uh, Kansas City. Boom, boom, boom. Um, the last week, the deal for Darius Leonard was announced. He got boy. four years, 99? 99, Five, and a half. 99 and a half million. So, boarding on $20 million. <laughs> and then uh, today, Jamal mm-hmm. Adams signed is signing a four-year... Four 70, 70 million with 38 yeah. million guaranteed. You'd love to see it. Love to see it, and uh, I don't love to see that for Jamal Adams. He's not worth that. Uh, I was talking about Darius. Yeah. I yeah, was going the other way. That's yeah. way too much for an inside linebacker. Really? Uh, I, I, I agree with you. No, on you that. said it. You yeah, said it last, I said it last week. week. Uh, I do think and that I'm that's too like, much man, for an inside linebacker. I, 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 he's not Ray Lewis. He's not he's Brian Urlacher. Like he's, he's not. He's good. He's a good player. He's but very good. I'm sorry, Darius Leonard's not worth twenty million dollars a year right now. Yeah, I just think they're uh, Jamal Adams definitely not worth seventeen point five million dollars. When you're basically a safety that plays a pass rushing role, yeah. that's your best attribute is that you can rush the passer, yeah. passer, and that's not necessarily what you need out of what, a safety. What anyways. were the Seahawks ranked as far as passing defense last year? Does anyone know? Not know, good. When it's he was good. when he was in coverage, he didn't do great. Thirty two. Thirty second. Thirty wow. teams are there. Two. I think there's thirty two. Thirty ish. Oh, that's thirty ish. <laughs> yeah, okay, thirty ish. So. Finishing 32nd pass. Uh, pa- if there's a three in, in, in your defensive defense, rating, it's, then, right? it's bad. Duncan, are you comfortable as a Chiefs fan if De- Tyron Matthew demands similar money to Jamal Adams? Oh, yeah. 
Seventeen point five uh, because million. Because unlike, like Teron Matthew also gets after the quarterback. The Chiefs sure. also have two other defensive backs mm-hmm. who have been known to get after the quarterback. One in particular, sure. Lajarius Sneed. He had two or three sacks last year. The Chiefs have a lot of versatile defensive backs. Dirty Dan. Dirty Dan. Juan Thornhill. Like they have guys that can play. Touch on that for a second. Thornhill practicing with the third string. I think What's it's going motiv- on there. I think it's a motivation point. I think okay. they're putting key. Uh, the undrafted rookie free agent in just to basically be like, Thornhill, we just we, – we, we let the injury – We know what we have. We, it was the injury last year. We let you, you know, slowly come back from yeah. that. We put up with the mistakes and everything like that to let you get comfortable, let you get back up to your former game speed. Loved him as a prospect. Seemingly – and I still love Juan Thornhill. I you should. Yeah. And I still think he is a huge part of the Chiefs' future. Mm-hmm. But I think this is very much a big pre- prove-it – training camp and preseason for both of the 2019 second round picks in Thornhill and McCole Hardman. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, I think it is a motivation, motivational ploy by the chiefs, by um, Spags of being like, okay, Thornhill, like we need you to take it up another level. So this kid who's showing a lot of hunger, we're going to give him these early reps. Sure. And mm-hmm. I full well expect Thornhill to be one of the top three safeties come opening day along with Sorensen and Matthew. Yeah. And I we do think Matthew will have a new contract by that point. I think it will be close to what Adams gets, probably not quite as much, um, but pretty close. And I am, per- and if it is the same amount, even if it's a little more, I'm perfectly comfortable with that because Good. the guy is the, like, there's not few, there's not a lot of players who have a nickname that is more fitting for them than the, the landlord. Well, the honey badger formerly, wow. but now the landlord him. I mean, he collects rent Rents whenever do. anybody who walks onto the field against him. And because that guy, right. he brings just a whole nother level. And he's another one that is extremely hungry. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, he kicked the dirt after he got beaten a freaking one-on-one drill. Yeah. And that's – it's – he's he wants to do it again. Yes, he's getting out there. He's 29 years old. But he is a guy, too, where he has shown – he, he hasn't had the injury-prone issues like he had before. He hasn't had the behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I would be perfectly fine with him yeah. getting that kind of I mean, and let, I mean, we'll also talk about it. Is As far as Jamal Adams, like like you said, he is a glorified pass-rushing DB, whereas Matthews I just Matthews don't pay box safeties that much yeah. when you're, no. your best attribute is something that you're hopefully getting from and two different positions right. that aren't yours. And they don't but, have the like, other players. Yeah, exactly. But Tyron is the <laughs> – Right, he can play all over the field. He sure, can cover. He can, he he can, can do can. things that Jamal Adams does, but also cover a receiver. Right, one on one or or you know, like cover was, a tight end. Talk, yeah. Like, yeah, he can do. He's one of the very so much he's more than cover Jamal tight end Adams. Is, is Adams going to be looking more in line for one of those linebacker type contracts? Considering he plays more like a linebacker in a lot of ways. It was the flip side for Teron Matthew. Is he going to be looking more like more for a cornerback esque contract? Right, for his uh, versatility. But no, it's like. The thing with Adams is he doesn't have other members in that secondary that can allow him to thrive in that role no and doubt. for the secondary to still excel. Yeah. Whereas the Chiefs do have the aforementioned players I mentioned. I mean, you've got when you've got the speed and range of Teron Matthew and Juan Thornhill as the other two safeties when they do decide to play three safeties, that can allow Dan Sorensen to play deep. Mm-hmm. And where Sorensen, even though he's got the size you wish that he would be an in-the-box safety like a Jamal Adams, his skill set, he's so good at reading when he's deep is that he, he needs to be back there. That's when he makes his splash plays. That's when he gets the reads and gets the big interceptions, right. gets the big hits, doesn't mm-hmm. get beaten coverage. And that's where you need a Matthew to do that. 
right. and a luxurious Sneed, who is also kind of a Swiss Army knife, just right. a do everything, but will probably be confined mostly to the edge this year. And performed really well for you guys last year. Oh, Sneed, and they've already said Sneed has been the best player in training camp on the defense this year. Does it looks <gasps> like he's making another leap. That's like, my shocked face. But, I mean, that's exciting to me is that yeah. he, they're talking about him making a leap, talking about Willie Gay Jr. making a leap. And I'm like, this team, people are expecting Patrick Mahomes to come out and put up these ungodly otherworldly numbers. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to need to happen because I think the defense is going to be a lot better. And I think with this revamped offensive line, the running game is going to be a lot more efficient right. to where Mahomes can go out and win you the ball game when it needs to. I just don't think it's going to happen mm. that often. Fantasy-wise here, obviously it's hard because most people probably that listen to us are Chiefs fans. And, you know, and I mean, there's fans all over the place, obviously. But when it comes down to it, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I am I expect all, a big season. All in. He was he was one of the top running backs last year for fantasy football in the first couple weeks before Le'Veon Bell got there. Sure. Le'Veon Bell's not there. They're working out the other running backs as backup and you know auxiliary pieces, you know, secondary and tertiary options. And next thing you know, like I'm saying, like get Clyde Edwards as much as you can in the second, third, whatever round he falls to, and then watch him be the next Alvin Cook. And be the next year. First round running back, have to have CEH again. Most people have a bad taste in their mouth because of the end of last year. Forget that shit. Well, and it's it's even he's even talked about the fact that he wants to be more involved in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And that's something Andy Reid has strength, such a strong proclivity for. Uh, that's the strength of his game, and that's what Andy Reid offenses have usually Compared been around. To Look at what they did a with a better Brian version of Brian, Brian Westbrook. 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 Look yeah. at what he did with Jamal Charles. Yes, Charles was a fantastic running back, but he also had mm -hmm. so many great receiving seasons. And that's Jamal like Charles. Andy Reid knows how to use running backs out mm -hmm. of the backfield. We've seen him do it with the likes of Spencer Ware. And even Daryl Williams has had big games out of the yep. backfield. I mean, yeah, he got a contract to go to Chicago. Damien, or Daryl, right? Damien. Damien. Damien got a Chicago. Damien got a. Damien Wilson was, yeah. or yeah, yeah, Damien Williams was another one that was yeah. real strong out of the backfield. Like, mm -hmm. Andy Reid knows how to use running backs. And now he's got probably the best receiving back he's had since Brian Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a matter of time before things just click there. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes is gonna be like, like people are so worried about, and I know I'm talking. He's gonna have a lighter workload. People like that's so good worried, for him. And, but people are so worried about who, <laughs> who's gonna be the second receiver, and how can we rely on on, on McCole Hardman? And I'm just like, you look at Kelsey and Hill. As long as they're healthy, they're gonna eat top two. You're and they're they're gonna be they're going to be the number one or two fantasy or like like statistical players at their positions. I'm sorry, <laughs> like. Every great quarterback all time, if you're truly a great quarterback, you'll make the receivers better than they yes. are. How many times exactly. did we Pro see... Exactly, pro football focus. That's why it's fine that we're building up the offense. How many times line. did we Suck see in. Peyton Manning have guys like fucking Austin Colley and uh, Anthony Gonzalez come out of nowhere and have Gonzalez breakout... former first-round pick, but... I know, how State? They really? Him yeah. Wow. Like, like yeah. 30th He's overall said, or something. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Late, late uh, just judging white wide receivers <laughs> <laughs> at a high rate here. Um, no, but they, 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 they had another one out of Michigan State that was like a nobody who in one of Peyton. Like, if you're going to be that that all-time great quarterback, you're going to make receivers better. And Pat Mahomes is one of those guys. So, yeah. like, Welker, you're not going to have to. Julian Edelman. I mean, Wes Welker's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. Julian Edelman, no, but. Like no, definitively no. <laughs> no. Julian Edelman like, is not a Hall yeah. of Famer. Saying, like Julian, yeah, you're, you're not going to. You won't have to spend high picks to get receivers in the Pat Mahomes era. No, like you won't have to overpay receivers because he'll make them better. 
he will make sure they're in the right position to succeed. As long as you keep him in good shape. And if, right, and absolutely. And what did Brett Veach do this offseason? So O-line. he went and made Cemented sure that he was going to be protected for the next half decade at least. Yes. Uh, and I mean, no, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, if D-Rob doesn't work, if McCall Hardman doesn't work, if any of those receivers don't work, guess what? You just reload next draft. I mean, you still. It yeah, doesn't even got, matter if they work or not. Got, you're just but, yeah, not going to pay them. You, just, you right. look at it. Yeah, you're going to get Kelsey probably 13, 1400 yards. Hill probably about the same. Right. And out of the backfield with with this new revamped offensive line and C-H-H. trying to figure out and, and CEH in his second year, mm-hmm. more ways to figure out. I wouldn't be surprised if the running backs combined get five, six, seven hundred yards receiving out of the right. backfield. I mean, Mahomes will get close to 5,000 yards. When yep. Hardman ends up having a thousand yard season, awesome, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I see probably seven, eight hundred, sure. you know, six, seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. which would be that's a number two. That's and easy. technically yeah. a number three when you consider Travis Kelsey. Wasn't the yep. first week of the season last year where Ceh had like three touchdowns or something like that? Like he had, he had some really good games. He had the Bills yeah. games. Oh, early in the season. Yeah. He played. He had one of the Texans best game. Games. His first game against the Texans yeah. was great. He, he had was some games. Insanely no. amazing. Yeah, you got a better offensive line now. Your offensive line was healthy, and you did that with him. Right. Now you got a better offensive line, arguably. You know, yes, they have to work on the click, and they have to work on all that stuff. But you got a better cool. offensive line, a more experienced offensive line that's, you know, on on paper better. And Trace, why Smith, is he not going to eat? And here's the thing that, like, like I thought, I thought Trey Smith was maybe going to be a starter by the end of the season or next season or something. Oh, he's a starter now. He yeah. is showing that teams made a massive mistake <laughs> in being worried about his health concerns. He, he, heard he, has, here, he has college tape where you're going to like look back on it and be like, a lot of GMs overthought this, didn't they? And and, and it's one of the things we said. And <laughs> coming out of high school, how how often do you yeah. see an offensive lineman just like an offensive lineman is the number one high school recruit in the country? Five-star to Tennessee, and now, yeah, he slipped all the way to the sixth round. That's on the Chiefs, too. But the Chiefs are the ones that finally pulled the trigger, and I'm full well convinced, and between him and Creed Humphrey, the Chiefs got two of the three or four best interior linemen in this draft. And that's the thing is, like, Lewis Riddick came out and talked about Trey Smith. Is like, this guy is blowing the doors off people. Yeah. Like, he is annihilating people. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have him on the inside protecting your running game, him, how good he's looking and how good Creed Humphrey is looking. What else do you need? That's, where thy, that's why they're comfortable with still having Lucas Niang, another rookie, and the most question, the biggest question mark of their rookie offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and right tackle being their biggest question mark on the offensive line, period. That's and Tardif coming back. With, with going Tardif's with injured. Niang. Well, that's Tardif, uh, Tardif, Tardif, ain't gonna, Tardif won't the see the field unless Trey Smith is injured, period. Tardif, well, Tardif, the doctor might not make fought. the team. Like, this is what I'm saying. The Chiefs are going to cut players who are going to be on other rosters, maybe start. There will be at least one offensive lineman who the Chiefs cut who will be starting for a different team on week one. Whether it's Andrew Wiley, whether it's Austin Blythe. Does that give you chills down your spine? Or in DeVarnay Tardif. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody. And so, and Niang is still starting at right tackle. He's still listed number one on the depth chart, even though Mike Remmers has been back for a week now. That is telling me that they're like, we feel great. Mike Remmers has always sucked, though. He's a real good backup, and I like him as the swing tackle. Yeah, and he actually held a, his own for a while. He's not a starter. In this well, league. no, he he held his own as a situation as a part like a, a part time starter, and that's why I'm fine with him being the swing tackle. Sure, we need him to fill in for a few weeks. But he's not that's a starter fine. in this. No, league. I want Niang to win the starting job. He should, and that's why I'm incur like right now the best case scenario is playing out, and that was that Humphrey Smith and Niang showed out, and that is what's happening. So. Yeah. Kudos to the draft room, man. Mm -hmm. Kudos to the draft room. Yeah. Uh, 
getting Freshman. away from football. And before we get to that, I, I will never get away from football. It's football season. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. sorry, sorry, Dad. Sorry. Until until our toast, you're gonna be a little upset because we're getting away from football. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> I'll take uh, go. We're gonna touch on go before we back move. In like five minutes. Before we move on, that uh, we were sipping on a. I was. I had a uh, Defiance Big Money. Sipping on bush light, boys. Let's, let's I was sipping work. on a Defiance Big Money, <laughs> and now I'm sipping on bush light. I was. That was on delicious, and I. From Chicago, it is really good. That's good beer. Um, but anyway, I was sipping on something. It would be the Broken School IPA. Stone Cold Steve Austin's beer from. Can I get a hell yeah? Oh hell yeah! All right. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> if I were having a beer. That's a good one. If any of these, <laughs> these two guys know me well, and they know that I love my home state. You do? I do. I am a diehard Iowan. What? Yeah. Mm. Love my state. I, uh, and my state got the rare occasion of being able to be showcased this, this week. Is, this is really cool, though. Uh, this is really the cool. M- the Major League Baseball announced like three years ago. I want to say it was like 2018 or tw- 2017. Something like, I don't know. That's however long ago it was that they were doing a Field of Dreams game. And when that first came out, I will not will not lie, I was like, do they realize how small Dyersville, Iowa you is, told and me how that. big this or how small this? I, I when they announced it, everybody was like, they're, "Wait, they're going to play a Major League Baseball game on the field, like the actual field." came out a couple hours a couple hours later that it was like no they're building a stadium a stadium and they're gonna make this a thing where they play a game there and because of covid last year we didn't get to see it originally it was supposed to be last season uh wow what a job major league baseball did on the field of dreams game uh crazy like Every step of the way, they did it the right way. Bringing Kevin Costner in, doing oh, the man. the intro to the game the way they did. Um, the teams they picked, I mean, choosing a local team, and then obviously the Yankees. Like, Made sense. Yeah. but And it's not just picking the local team. You pick the team that Shoeless Joe Jackson played for. Sure. And, like, that they wore the throwback uniforms. Yep. And, but, again, just out of anything, if they absolutely nailed it, I don't know if this was MLB, I don't know if it was Fox, I don't know if it was – people involved with the field who came mm-hmm. up with this idea. But to have Costner lead and then the players come out of the corn, mm-hmm. I teared up. I am not going to yeah. – I am. I have no shame in admitting that I full well teared up when you saw – and they chose the right players first. When you see – and when they did it from behind, you see 99 Aaron Judge walking out onto the field from the corn. That is seriously one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a Major League Baseball game in my entire life. I bet a lot of these players are dealing with things that they never dealt before, dealt with before, like getting corn rash or like a corn, <laughs> a corn spider going down their jersey. They were probably like, "What the hell is happening?" Yeah, like, no, but it was it was a pretty cool experience. <laughs> like, uh, seeing all that, and then like you have like the perfect setting. They got to see like a awesome sunset during the game. Like, yeah, the fact that it got rained out for a yeah. while may, may have been for the best. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Kevin like, Costner walking out. We obviously. already talked yeah, about that. Sure. Shut up, Ty. Yeah, I had to <laughs> <laughs> you get to miss a whole 45 seconds. Yeah. What the hell are you yeah. doing coming in here thinking that you can but, just but start I, I talking right away? Costner just, Costner just walking out there just taking it all in. And 
The, like, in the video that they put out before the game of Costner, like, first seeing, or I guess it was the day before, as they were still working on some stuff. Like, they were working on that field up until, yeah. like, building things up until, hey, thanks, I got my pen back. Oh, no, that's a different one. <laughs> Never mind. I'll give it a uh, But the day before the game, they had, they showed Kevin Costner's first reaction to seeing the field, and, like, you could tell the guy was about to tear up. He's like, this is, oh, my God, this is perfect. Like, this, this is heaven. This is yeah. This is seven. Sorry, and I should have left that line to you. Yeah, is the seven? It's one of my all-time and I know favorite movies. So. In the movie, it's no, it's Iowa. But as Iowa, we no, beer. no no, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's two. In Iowa, we say is the seven. Yes, it's Iowa. That's what we say. So fuck you. I didn't even make a reaction. Your face. They don't get to see your face, Duncan. <laughs> I hadn't rolled my eyes yet. I was you, considering rolling my you eyes. You were yet. You were. That was a preemptive strike against my eye roll before it even happened. That I was going to stab you bullshit. if there was an eye roll. Oh, my God. That was really going to be a pre- – <laughs> I'm from Fort Dodge, man. We don't no. – A dirty dash. <laughs> Dodge City? We don't – no. But Sorry, you're in Kansas just, right now. Probably we just as bad. Shit. Isn't Dodge City kind of a shitty area? Hey, man. That's There's a reason why the Saints get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. It was a western town, frontier mm-hmm. city. Anyway, continue. Anyway. Sorry, Dodge. Uh, and then the story, like how the game went, the, like a two-run home run, fi- like walk-off home run to win. When one happened by the team, home runs the by corn. the team that's the more local. Like you're hitting home runs into the corn. Yeah. Yes, it was a small field. There was eight home runs. Oh, hit. for sure. Don't fucking care. Don't care. You're gonna do that. That's once. what that should be. Yeah. You Jimmy should want. Yeah, you want to see. Baseball's getting hit into a fucking cornfield. That's yeah. I want to see this in person. <laughs> yes. I mean, think I, about it. Absolutely. Think about it. As a kid growing to, up. We need to make that happen. Yeah, as a kid growing up, what did you do? You went out you, with your friends. You played baseball. You did this. You didn't have a fucking ballpark. You didn't go to the actual thing. You played baseball in your backyards. You hit it over fences. You hit it over whatever. And in Aaron's case, obviously in Iowa, you hit it in cornfields. Like that's. Have you th- ever hit a baseball into a cornfield? No. No. Shit. Not once. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that's strike three. <laughs> Ties a timeout. We had keg out. parties in cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that. <laughs> we did. We had bonfires. I know that doesn't seem safe, but we all I mean, had it field depends parties. On the time we, like, it, People were worried about – so the funny thing, the disconnect between the rest of the country – and I'm just touching on this because it was hilarious for all Iowans to see it. But there was a prominent reporter that was like, oh, uh, fireworks that close to a cornfield uh, seems a little hazardous. And all the Iowans are like, the corn's green. That means it's – like, are you serious? Like, You're that's wrong. not going to catch on fire, dude. Like, it's are – you, are you serious? Like – so, fun fact, yeah, if they did this a few months from now and the corn is all, well, like, yellow. when it's yellow and brown and about to be ready to be harvested, yeah, that's a hazard. That would absolutely catch on fire. But when it's green, you're fine. It's wet. It's, yeah. That's, but that was no, just kind of funny yeah. to see as an Iowan. Like, ha, Iowans. Another, <laughs> hey, I get it. As a Midwesterner yeah. who spent summers in a farm in Oklahoma where we rotated, so it would be corn. It yeah. would be wheat. It would be soy. Yes, absolutely. Bunch of idiots, these fucking yeah, you're not from the West Midwest, Coasters. clearly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't fucking know shit. It sure smells sweet. Uh, but one of my favorite uh, sports guys from back home brought up a good point this week that don't do too much with this. This yes. is perfect the way you mm-hmm. do it. Don't I'd say make do, it. Like, do it every other year. Do it every other year. Don't build it into a bigger attraction than it needs to be. The, the town of Dyersville does not want to become Branson, Missouri. 
They Branson, Missouri doesn't want to be Branson, Missouri. <laughs> Branson, Missouri does absolutely true. Um, but silver dollar city. You don't, yeah, you don't want this to become like, oh, there's a million different tourist attractions. Oh. Nah, the Field of Dreams is just kind of there now. Right. Like it's special the way you have it now. And yes, I think doing it every year will be a detriment. It won't be as special. Have a waiting time in between that, whether it be two years or whatever it is. Like, don't overdo this because you have a really special thing and you grabbed fans. Like, the biggest thing that baseball has struggled with for a while is bringing in a new audience. And I'll admit, I'm one of those people. Baseball doesn't grab me. But and it might just be because I'm on Iowan, but this grabbed me. First like, major league game ever played in the state of Iowa. Not true. I could have. I saw this. Not saw true at all. An absolute game in Iowa. Not true at all. Because the last one was played in my hometown of Fort Dodge, Iowa, at Dodger Stadium. The Cubs played at Dodger Stadium in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Facts. Look was it, it an actual like yes. regular season game? Yes. Facts. Well, then they screwed that up, and people lied. people were calling it out on. On oh, social media, okay. they're like, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. It was a long, long time ago. Quit fighting. You're tearing uh, his family no, apart. I, he shouldn't know that. Yeah, like, I And publications and putting out false in, information. Yeah. Like, it's the ESPN and it said was, it's the first. Yep. Yeah, they were absolutely wrong. Uh, everybody was wrong on that. It absolutely happened. Fort Dodge, Iowa hosted oh, no, a Major League Baseball you. game uh, because Dodger Stadium was uh, part of, like, the uh a new deal project basically like it, oh, okay. it so they wanted to showcase it because it's a really cool stadium yeah, uh but yeah they're yeah but it was the first one like over 60 years yeah. like but, it's but it's but back to the point it did yeah. definitely introduce it to a new audience and what i'm hoping is it also like we were talking before the show of like i you know i work with this 22 year old and he, like, I was talking about Ghostbusters, and he hasn't seen Ghostbusters and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. how many of this younger generation have not seen Field of Dreams? Were thought this was cool, are now going to watch Field of Dreams, and then that brings them into further into baseball, into just the, what is like, football is number one in America. There's no question whatsoever about that. Baseball is still America's pastime. There is still the history of of this country is so intimately tied into the game of baseball it is woven throughout the thread that makes the fabric of this country and like field of dreams is the like is the the shining example of that and to be able to have this moment huh they will come they will come and what's actually funny like to mention that too but i'll I'll get to that in a second but yeah i really hope that this is more people more young people are going to watch the movie Mm -hmm. and then the next time they do it yeah. Which I think they – I don't know if they said it is next season or if it's season after, but they're going to do Reds-Cubs. Manfred right. said next year. They're, they're looking at another game in August. Great, but they the don't. Cubs just sold away all their best players. And so right. next year – Bring in the no Sox. Ro- no Rizzo. No, no, they need to bring in the Sox because of the movie. It needs to be the Red Sox for yeah. sure. Um, but And they need to do something for Burt Lancaster, like an honorary to Burt Lancaster, who he played. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. What was the name of the kid in the movie? Moonlight Graham. Graham. Um, and so, like, they need to do something, uh, some Moonlight Graham thing, like, but have the Red Sox come in. Like, I don't know. There's so many cool things they could do, but one of the most iconic moments from the movie, and one that makes me cry every single fucking time, Dad, want to have a catch. Just getting misty-eyed thinking about it. But they talked to Kevin Costner in the post-game interview. He's completely right. Every time I watch a movie where there's a father-son moment or something along those lines, and that's- I... I, I, I'm a baby. That's I one of the biggest now. ones. Dude, I have been yeah. in a bar where 
we had MLB Network on. It was a fucking Applebee's, and it's like 10 o'clock at night. You cried in an Applebee's? <laughs> I worked in an Applebee's. If you haven't worked in an Applebee's, then you don't I haven't. know. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, but anyway, no, but it was you, a bar. Did you cry like in your dollar margarita? Dozen, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> no, he cried in the, the He cried in the walk-in tie like a man. You or, punch the box of fries, yeah. and you cry in the what, walk-in. What, did you cry in your mucho margarita? So, Is that? It was the perfect margarita. Thank you very much. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Ooh and, uh, with the yeah, tin and everything? Right, with my Brutus and Bud Lights. Uh, Duncan and I both worked at Applebee's. We are Apple Buddies. That is, that is wow. what we are. And we are reminiscing on Apple Mares. Yeah, so, uh, I was uh, neighborhood expert. A, Thank you. That's a thing, yeah. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was the lost. bar was wrapped. It was like 10 o'clock at night. MLB Network's on. Feel the Dream's on. And that scene comes up. And we're, we have people kind of chat and stuff like that as the movie's going on. There was 10 minutes of dead silence as before leading up to that scene, during the scene, and after that scene. And then you just heard... <laughs> <laughs> It's a great movie, right, guys? Just like so yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah. And these are grown men. Like, yeah. you got not just like I was like 22 at the time, but you got guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and everybody feels the same way. And that's what this movie can do. Mm-hmm. What's funny is Kevin Costner was asked in the, in the uh, press conference after the, after the game, How do you feel about this when the director said, Have a catch? And he's like, It was the most frustrating thing in the world to me. He's like, I could not get over how wrong it felt to say, Have a catch. Because how many times, how many walks of life have you heard that be like, hey, you want to go have a catch? It's like, do you want to go play catch? Yeah, it's, right. I never heard that in And Costner himself was like, it bugged the hell out of me. It felt so <laughs> wrong to say it that way. And yet that's the iconic line now. Yeah, and there's right. been a lot of people who said, no, it's have a catch. And then sit there and second get them, guess themselves like, wait, is it have a catch? Or is mm. it no, you want to go play catch? Yeah. And like, I thought that was hilarious. And yet this is, an, this is a line that... For over 30 years now, have made men cry. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Like, I mean, Duncan like completely nailed it on the head. Like, anytime I watch a movie now that has some sort of fatherly figure or something along those lines, and there is some like ending like that. Like, honestly, fast. Like, rewind to a couple weeks ago. We're watching Big Hero Six because my kid won't sleep, and we're sitting in the living room, and I'm holding Archie, and it's like the end of the movie, and there's like this like touching moment, and you know, the big hero six sacrifices himself for the little kid. Betamax. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Betamax sacrifices himself. And literally like at the end of the movie, like I'm holding him before he goes to daycare and I'm, cl- I'm starting to tear up and I'm, I'm literally, I can't hold it. It's just like cr- coming down my face. And my loving wife looks at me and she's like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, Don. Don, bless your heart. Yeah. Yes. And if you guys don't know my wife, that's the most touching moment. We, <laughs> one of the yeah. most touching moments we ever had. We love her to death because of like stuff like that. But like yeah. literally, I'm sitting there holding the kid, and I just could not get past those moments. You can't get past those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a cool moment. Just it's it's yeah. cool when sports when sports gets to bring something like that to life. And yeah, just definitely enjoyed it. I I hope they wait a couple years to do it, but. Agreed. You know, yeah, I if the Royals are ever in it, I'm going to do everything I can to try to get to that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the Tigers are in it. I'm same, 100. percent I think we should just try to get there in general. I yeah, I'm, I'm will like, second that. <laughs> like, I'd like to just go experience that in yeah. general. We can wear. Our, I hope both teams have fun shirts. Damn yeah. it, Duncan peed in the cornfield. I didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. I just I got lost. Yeah. Who hasn't peed in the cornfield in their life? Come on. I have peed in the cornfield. I can I, say that. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Me too. Huh? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Life <Anyways>. experience. <laughs> We've I've all in cornfields. I've taken a shit in a cornfield because I had diarrhea. That's something completely different. Yeah. Yes. 
everywhere. We were bad. we were there. Yeah, I didn't need. And yeah, ruined the moment. You took it a you just bit took further. It. You yeah. went. You, we had the line. Yeah, just. And you said, "Fuck that." Oh, line. the line. Yeah, I pointed back to the line Oof. as I like jumped over it. It was just like. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Anyways, uh, we're gonna throw you on the grill. No, for <laughs> the third. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the third time. Third or fourth, man. Third We've time in less than ten. Uh, Wait, the who NCAA. Who? It's getting the NCAA. Was it even a month ago when we were just like, don't worry, NCAA. You'll probably we'll be find back. yourselves on our grill. <laughs> Here they again. are. Yeah, it probably was like Rearing their ago. ugly head. Uh, if you're not familiar with what, why we're throwing them on the grill this time, uh, after five years of investigating, the NCAA finally ruled on uh, the Baylor sexual assault cover-ups that absolutely were happening in their football program rampant throughout the art riles uh <clears throat> tenure there like uh sean, like a lot of players completely ended sean oakman's a very ever. promising nfl prospect too Absol- six seven like 270 like you're talking the next julius peppers there was a meme about him for a while like he because of his how ripped he was there was memes put out there about him anyways more than like as far as star Minus players Garrett go, it goes. Ripped. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> wait, oh, ripped. Yeah, yeah I was like prospect wise, no, nowhere, nowhere no, close to like him. Ripped, but he was, he was a hell of a prospect. Um, but they basically ruled that. You no, know, <sighs> God, I don't even know like how I want to word this, but it's, it's they basically delicate. said that it's not their job to rule on over like sexual assault of how did they word that i know you you said it a couple times i just don't want to like murder how murder no another thing that baylor's dealt with but that almost seems lighter (laughs) than what they're doing jesus there's a los angeles times piece that came out uh earlier this week about it and literally the headline and it says in quotations rape is not an ncaa violation yeah. The title. Does how, it not make how you want to Baylor puts yeah. women at risk. And essentially, it was the NCAA's Committee on Infractions, the COI, announced it was not punishing Baylor for failing to report allegations of and address sexual and interpersonal violence committed on its campus, even though the school admitted to moral and ethical failings in its handling of sexual violence. Okay. My, my first thing I want to cover there. Um, is this it does. Cycle? It doesn't matter that you don't think that rape is. Not, yeah, technically, rape is not in the, the NCAA handbook on violations. But isn't lack of institutional control it's something that they cited for and, Penn State and, yes. and for USC? And yet, and here's what multiple here's issues what yeah. that involve that crime. What Baylor argued in it is those failings, however egregious, did not constitute violations of NCAA le- legislation. Wow. Ultimately, and with tremendous reluctance. And that is what the Committee of Infractions agreed with. And that's why there was punishment, but it was very light punishment. Slap on the it wrist. It was, yeah, essentially the equivalent of a slap on the wrist. One of the coaches got show cause, uh, five-year show cause penalty. And they basically gave Penn State the there's no, There's no games that are taken away, no, no scholarships taken away. They basically not, did. No, they like, did not. They did not come close to the death penalty with Penn State. The death penalty is shut down of the program. Like I'm sorry. SMU is the only one. SMU that we saw is back the, in the only 80s, one the that Pony has Express. come close. Yeah. Um, and ironically enough, the Baylor basketball program is the last biggest program to get close to the death penalty mm-hmm. in 2003 after 
the murder. murder. <laughs> one teammate murdered another one. Yeah. And David Bliss was the coach. Then. Dave Bliss was the basketball coach. And I've, I've talked at length about that on here before, after Baylor won the national championship this past spring yep. in men's basketball and how that is Scott drew has done one of the most amazing jobs in college basketball coaching history of taking a program going through the sludge of the, of the, uh, the penalties that he had to take uh, or for, that the program had to take and him getting them through that, getting them back out the other side clean and then raising them up to national championship status. Phenomenal. Anyway, that same college, that same university, yet when it's problems in their football program, oh, no, we're just going to give you a slap on the wrist. Like, it's outrageous. blows my mind. They'll, they'll – <laughs> What is the tweet you saw that – Yeah, that's what – so they will punish a, a school like Boise State for allowing freshmen who choose to come early – sleeping on the couches of teammates they'll punish guys for trying to sell their textbooks for money for food hell they punished ohio state football players for trading autographs for tattoos but you have the unc academic fraud and now you have baylor with mass uh, sexual assault scandals that were definitely covered up by the coach. And they get virtually nothing happening. Not a violation. Neither instance was considered a violation. It's just sickening, man. Like, you you have these institutions in control. Like, they're supposed to be a governing body. And they're supposed to be, like, holding these programs to a certain standard. And then you have... Like the the tweet that I saw the last year of the NCAA proves how much of a joke of a governing body that it is. Oh, we're supposed to rule on this now. We're going to leave this up, the whole like whether you want to play up to the schools, and so we're going to leave NIL up to the states. Yep, we don't want to touch on this. But oh, Reggie Bush, no, you can't have your yeah, Heisman yeah. Back. Thank you. And and also, you know, like, a side note, a side throw on the grill is to the Heisman committee for not being not having the balls to actually make a decision and being like, hey, NCAA, oh, they don't want to ruffle feathers. We're going to pass the buck on to you. We're going to kick this Stupid. can down the road. Have you make the decision on whether or not Reggie Bush should get his, his uh, autograph – or, I'm sorry, his Heisman Trophy back, considering what he did would be legal now under the new rules. Right. And yet it was the NCAA that came out and said, no, he doesn't get to have his Heisman that. Trophy back. Yeah, it was against the rules when he did it. So even though it's pointless at this, at this time, yeah, he doesn't get his Heisman Trophy back. It's just stupid, man. It's a load like, of bullshit, and the NCAA is an absolute joke. Like, there is yep, like, 100%. needs to be replaced as a governing, governing body over collegiate athletics already. Mm-hmm. But especially when you have cases like this, there should there's certain cases that you look at it and you're like, oh, this is an open and shut thing. Like, <clears throat> right. You obviously investigate it, and they spent five years mm-hmm. investigating this. And they even admitted that, yeah, this stuff was happening. But it is not their place to govern like to to govern whether that's it's not an NCAA violation to rape that's their job it's literally like why you're there like like we said you've you've cited lack of institutional control on how many cases and you can't even give them that on this like this is clearly lack of institutional control and whatever it's just it's sickening it's infuriating it's gross and it 
just gives further credence to whatever organization ends up following the NCAA. And there's like something I've posed before, and I am legitimately fearful for, of the power conferences coming together and being like, we're creating our own organization now where we call the shots. We basically call the shots as it is. The NCAA has no credibility. We got close to that this week. We're, yeah, we definitely need to touch on after we're done talking about this for sure. Because there it's, is potential for that. There is. There's already talks. And that's where that, – that is something like that That does all of a sudden is where like the most powerful are mm-hmm. going to have the, have all the control the right. and the, the decision-making. And the NCAA is doing themselves no favor. No. I mean, what, whoever – who's the dipshit in charge? Mark Emmert. Like that Mark guy – man, like we talk about executives that don't know what the hell they're doing. Like we make fun of Roger Goodell all the time. But my goodness – just absolutely terrible. Cool. Uh, and, yeah, we – it's just – it's it's baffling. Every time we have to bring up that NCAA, it just – But this is the most infuriating it, one of all. Why, yeah. does it all, why does it have to be – then that's the thing. It's like we constantly say, why does it have to be a sour right. note? It always does. It always, always is. They rarely do anything right to where you're like, oh, kudos to the NCAA for this. Um, but just touching on what we were referencing just a minute ago, just – Getting away from that, uh, the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, Pac-12 yeah. are in talks for a basically uniting uh, in scheduling. Schedule, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the Big Ten and Pac-12 talked about it a few years ago. Basically, they're probably going to have like guaranteed games every year uh, between conferences, which would be really cool. I thought that right. it was a cool idea when it first got floated to be between the Big Ten and Pac-12 because of the Rose Bowl relationship. Right. So you have teams that, like, similar to what the what basketball does with, like, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, the Big 12 does it with uh, the SEC, don't they? Don't they have, like, kind of – yeah. Um, where every year you are guaranteed a game against someone in that conference. And with the way that college football and college athletics in general has gone with Texas and Oklahoma leaving – and how these conferences are going to be structured, out-of-conference games, those three out-of-conference games are going to be very important. Right. Um, because these conferences are going to be massive to where you're going to be playing nine, possibly ten conference games uh, in some cases. So the out-of-conference games, it'd be cool to see you have a guaranteed game against the ACC or the, mm. big, or the, the Pac-12 or someone like we don't know the full details of what's being discussed, but it's going to be something to monitor. And I, I think it could be a really cool, u- re- cool union to say kind of fuck you to the SEC, who is trying to create these mega conferences. I, and maybe yeah. it's a little pushback from those conferences. Like you're not going to like change the landscape of college football without it, any say from us. And you're going to be left out of this deal. And it's going to screw you guys over in the long run because it's going to be hard for them to, with those deals, to schedule out-of-conference games. If there's already a guaranteed – like, say if every conference is guaranteed to have, like, you have a guaranteed out-of-conference game against the ACC and Pac-12, and if you're already playing nine or ten conference games, you're only having one other slot, and are you going to want to play an SEC school in there? No, you're going to put a cupcake team in there. Yeah. You're gonna need that break. Yeah, so you're gonna have that first game be against Appalachian right. State, or yeah, or a MAC team, or something right. like somewhere. You know, people should not, you know, poke fun at Appalachian State. By the way, I know. Yeah, shut the hell up. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I said it. Oh seven, man. <sighs> we never. Um, it, never it's forget. all just. 
the landscape of college sports is changing, and some of it's for the better, and some of it's for the worse. And right. greed and competence—that's literally the two <laughs> words that come down to this. I mean, when you're yeah. talking about the stuff with the NCAA, like because this was the like, we definitely needed that sidetrack because it is pertinent to what's going on, mm-hmm. and because this is going to lead to the downfall of the NCAA. Right. And you're seeing like more of what happened to Baylor. Like, yep. We for, uh, like we obviously talk about yes, it happened during Art Burrell, but he mm-hmm. was he was fired. The AD was suspended. The freaking president of the university was demoted mm-hmm. at Baylor. They, it was between 2011 and 2016, 19 football players were accused of sexual assault or domestic violence. And in one lawsuit, there was allegations of 31 players involved in 52 acts of rape, including five gang rapes, in the span of three Jesus years Christ. from 11 to 14. And yet, the NCAA... Literally, their statement, the 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 or the um, chair on top of the Sunday, the committee of infractions. They said none of this excuses the failures of coaching and athletic staff to report allegations of sexual and interpersonal violence. Yet they're not doing anything. Like, what is the point of a body that is supposed to control the game and and police the game that aren't going to punish kids that are committing the worst heinous crimes? Yeah. I just, uh, I'm just, I'm sick. Like, I love college football. I love college basketball. I just love college athletics. I'm diehard Kansas State fan. I'm a proud, like, proud to have attended that university. Like, that's something I absolutely enjoy being, be, like, being a K-Stater. But I have never been more frustrated to be a college fan, college athletics fan, than I am right now. Am I going to continue mm-hmm. to be? You bet your ass I am. For sure. But it is enormously frustrating to see that the greed and incompetence and just people being like, yeah, these things are terrible. Oh, what you're, you're, you let all these football players go and rape these women and do these terrible, awful, heinous things. Just that's shame, shame, shame. Bad. Bad. We're not going to do anything about it. Just the incompetence right. is just, hey, we're going to pass the buck or the fact that we're just going to let money rule the day. It's just yeah, sad. It is. <clears throat> and, yeah. I just nothing really to add to that. Like so, this. welcome back to the grill, NCAA. Well, I'm yeah. sure we'll find you. Yeah, let's see. We guess we're gonna move month. some steaks over here. We're gonna make a nice room football. for you. Football begins in just over two weeks uh, for the NCAA. I'm sure we will have things that throughout the season to throw the NCAA on the grill for. Not great that we're not. We didn't even get to the college football season. We've already done it three times in a segment that's only existed for like two months. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of college football, the toast this week has to do with two different college football greats. Um, unfortunately, the passing of Bobby Bowden last week. Um, obviously, it had been in the, in the news for a while that he was in the hospital not doing well. He had been telling people, like, I want to – like. I, he knew. I, he, he knew. knew he knew it was up. coming. Uh, I specifically, I can't remember who it was. Someone close to him, uh, not one of his sons. Obviously, he has two sons that got into coaching, but uh, someone that Bowdenville. someone that he coached. Might have been Andre Ware posted that uh, when he went to visit him, he kind of got the sense that Bowden was out at peace. You and mean was Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward. Yes. Andre Ware was. Andre Houston, Ware. Yeah. yeah, he's. I don't know why I mixed those up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm honest, almost positive it might have been. Yeah, Charlie Ward. Um, but saying that he was at peace with it, and then, of course, like a week later, he passes away, I think, mid-last week. Um, but also, last week, our toast was to uh, Duke Slater. Um, 
many people probably don't know who he was. He was an All-American offensive tackle at Iowa in 1921. Uh, was part of the very first uh, college football Hall of Fame class. Uh, and in the 1970s, um, the athletic director at Iowa suggested that um, the stadium, now named obviously Kinnick Stadium at the time, Iowa Stadium, uh, be renamed Slater Kinnick Stadium. And unfortunately, due to race, uh, he was left out of that name. And after obviously well-documented race issues that Iowa dealt with last year, um, that was something that was revisited and needed to be done. But previously, he had only been honored by naming a dormitory after him, which most people that I've even talked to... Donors get that. ...who, unless you're a big, big football fan, had no idea that Slater Hall in Iowa City was named after Duke Slater. They, But the last week they decided that the field at Kinnick Stadium will be named Duke Slater Field, and they have a big letter like big on the field says Duke Slater Field and I'm sure that they'll do uh, some sort of honoring ceremony in the first week especially with it being Fry Fest uh, to honor uh, Duke Slater and he went into the Hall of Fame last week yeah yeah it is and, unfortunate uh, that it's a seemingly NFL. kind of a knee-jerk reaction to some of the some of the, the transgressions of the past couple of years, but but it needed to happen better late than never. Yeah. it's something that it's better that they mm-hmm. are finally rectifying right. what and was a long, long, long overdue wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The Speaking scored. as a Michigan fan, I mean, one of the things that we saw when we went there was that mural, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's it's yeah. it's Kinnick Stadium. I hold it in a very high regard because we've gone to multiple that's, games there. It's an awesome and experience. An awesome that's mural that you need to see that is Duke Slater, yeah. yeah. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, one of the greatest players in Iowa history, just mm-hmm. not getting enough recognition. Now he is. And his niece was at the Hall of Fame ceremony last week uh, to accept his bust and unveil it. I'm really hoping that they do something bring her in uh, with – some something to do with yeah. the Hall of Fame. Uh, that'll be cool to monitor, but, yeah, uh, toast to both of them. Toast, yeah, Duke Slater and Just Bobby Bowden, man. Two greats in college football history that deserve all the recognition they get. Yeah. Um, that's all we have for this week's show. Uh, more more preseason coming up and more getting back to football. Can't uh-huh. wait. Look for our weeks. picks. Yes. We'll have a, probably a fantasy-driven episode. Something potentially very exciting next week. So Yes. Very Absolutely excited about next week's show. Stay tuned. Absolutely. Yes. Tune we'll see in. see you next week. Love you guys. Mwah! Mwah.